Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Come on, son, 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 what up, y'all? This is Ed Lover. Welcome to Come On, Son, the podcast. Um, today's podcast I'll call Love, Loss, and Everything in Between. How do you deal with loss? How do you deal with loss that comes on suddenly? For most of my life, a lot of my loss have been sudden loss. Loss that I didn't expect to come, loss that I didn't know was going to come. I would think that my first major loss in my life was my dad. And when I say major, there was other things that happened around me, like people have gotten killed. Um, but sometimes when people get killed, you kind of know that it's going to happen based on the way they were living their lives. Like I grew up, uh, in Queens on 209th street, right around the corner from me on 210th street was a guy by the name of Keith Sattler. Keith Sattler was one of the tough guys in my neighborhood. Keith Sattler sold drugs. Keith Sattler was using drugs. Keith Sattler used to nod out in the middle of a conversation. I guess that was heroin that Keith was on, but Keith is one of the guys that had a group called Master Sound, and I was a young kid carrying records for Keith, and then Keith taught us how to hook up the equipment. I mean, Keith taught me so many things, going to block parties, placing speakers, running the wires from the speakers to the amplifiers, running the amplifiers, wires, you know, and then teaching me eventually how to connect all the amplifiers, and eventually teaching me how to DJ learning on the DJ coming downstairs in his basement and learning how to DJ properly using his set. This is some of the things that I learned from Keith Sattler. But Keith Sattler was also a terror in the neighborhood. Keith Sattler was also a criminal, stealing other people's equipment and speakers. And Keith Sattler would stick up a CeeLo game, which is a dice game where we come from in New York. We play CeeLo, three dice, not two dice. Big up to everybody that played craps. We played CeeLo. And uh, Keith Sattler was, was also a drug dealer that ended up getting killed, shot, and placed in handcuffs in the back of his own car and left in John F. Kennedy International Airport parking lot. I knew that was coming just by the way that Keith was conducting themselves and by the way he was living his life. There's only two things that was going to happen to Keith. Keith was going to get killed or Keith was going to go to jail. And... The first thing happened. Keith ended up getting killed. So that wasn't a surprise, but that was that was major. It hurt, but the but the first major major loss that I had was my dad. My dad died when I was eighteen, going on nineteen, or just about 
Yeah, it had to be because it was before my daughter Tiffany was born and she was born when I was 20. So my dad died around the time I was either 18 or, or, or 19 years old. That was unexpected. But once my dad got very, very sick with cancer, I knew when I saw him and how skinny he had gotten and stuff like that, I knew that my dad wasn't wasn't going to live. I knew that. I knew that. So I had already resigned myself to the fact that my dad might pass away. Um, I just didn't know when. I didn't know when my dad was going to pass away. And if you're wondering where I'm doing this podcast from right now, I am actually in my truck doing this podcast because at this very moment that I need to podcast for this week, this is the quietest place I can find. There's too many things going on in my house. So I had to come out and do this, you know, painting and you know, all kind of stuff is going on. The dog barking. So this is the quietest space I can find for right now. And um, like I said, my dad passed away. When I saw him losing weight and getting sicker and sicker by this cancer, fuck cancer, by the way, um, I knew my dad was going to pass. I just didn't know when. So when it happened, I remember he died on a Monday because I remember I had a gig on a Saturday. And when we came in early Monday, early Sunday from the gig, my mom said, we're going to see your dad today. I said, tell daddy I love him. My mom's so tired. I'll see daddy tomorrow. And my plan was to go see him on Monday. And it never happened. My father died that Monday morning. I remember it like it was, the, you know, just like it was yesterday. Um, but I knew that my dad was going to pass. It just shocked me as to when my dad finally passed away. So that was a major, major loss for me. But what seems to be happening now that I am getting a lot older, more people are dying around me. So how do you deal with that loss? How do you deal with people just dying out of nowhere? How do you deal with that? And it seems like something that I've been dealing with for a very long time. When Heavy D died, absolutely shocked me to my core. Heavy D is one of those people in hip-hop that I actually considered a friend. There are other people in hip-hop that I've known, and pretty much damn near everybody. But a constant contact with a person, no matter what, means that that person is a friend. Hev would find me or I would find Hev. If I moved, if I changed my phone number, somehow, some way, Hev would find me. If he moved, if he was somewhere else, if I didn't have the same number for him, somehow, some way, I would find Hev and we would always keep up with each other. We weren't together all the time. I'm not talking like I had the same relationship that he had with Dio or Eddie or any other guys that he grew up with. But in the industry, I considered Heavy D a friend of mine. I considered Jam Master J a friend of mine. I considered Tupac a friend of mine. I would see, you know, I would see Big on occasion, but I wouldn't say that I was close to Big. I would say that I was close to Hev. I would say I was I was close to Pac. I knew Aaliyah very well, but I wouldn't say that I was close to Aaliyah. I knew Aaliyah. There's pictures of me and Aaliyah floating around. I knew Left Eye but I wouldn't say that I was close to left eye, but have definitely 
was a friend. Pac definitely was a friend. And when Hev died, it shocked me because it was totally, totally unexpected. Totally unexpected. I had been told by him and by other people that he was ready to go back on tour. He is ready to do the Heavy D and the Boys thing again. When Trouble T-Roy died, that was a shock, but that was Hev's people. I wasn't, I knew Troy. Like, I have times and memories with Troy, but me, I have never been to Troy's house. I've been to Hev's house. I've been to Hev's mother's house. Hev's mother has cooked food for me at her house before. So, you know, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't always the same thing with somebody being a true friend and somebody being an associate. And then when that person passes away, the amount of shock that it has on you. I'm going to take a break and come right back. Come on, son, son. So now I'm back at part two. And we were discussing Heavy D and uh, my feelings on the loss of Heavy D. Like I told y'all earlier, Heavy and I were really good friends. I consider him a friend in this business. And in this business, like I said earlier, you don't have a lot of true friends in the business. You have a lot of associates, right? And um, like I said, Pac was another one. Totally, totally unexpected. Oh my God, was that, that was unexpected. But it was still tough for me to deal with. And, and considering my man Stretch, God rest his soul, Stretch got killed. Totally unexpected by me. Remember exactly where I was when that happened um, at this club called Carbon in New York City. And I got a call. Actually, I was waiting for Stretch to meet me at the club. And uh, Stretch and I were really tight, really tight friends, man, for real. Like, he had a group called Live Squad. I was executive producer on that. I got him signed to Tommy Boy. And um, they were on their way. And then the Ice-T cop killer thing came out. Tommy Boy being a subsidiary of Warner Brothers uh, and Body Count being on Warner Brothers, the heat came down on them. Stretching them had a part about killing the cop in their long-form video and in their song. And um, they got dropped by Tommy Boy. He's also producing with his brother Madge on some of Tupac's stuff, and he was always on the road with Pac. That's how come Pac and I were kind of tight because of my relationship with Stretch. And um, Stretch got killed a year to the day after the Quad Studio shooting when Pac got shot in Quad Studio. Stretch got killed a year to the day after that. And then Pac got killed the next year and then Big got killed the next year. And all three of them were friends at one point before the whole fiasco. And that's something that we'll touch on a little bit later on. Love, lost, and everything in between. Um, but when those three things happened, I was in shock. And it was tough for me to deal with because I was always around them in some capacity at that time and, and at that time space in the 90s. Stretch all the time and then Pac would come to town and Stretch would tell me Pac's here and then we were getting an MVP, uh, MPV, excuse me, and pick Pac up from the airport and hang around, tool around. Pac's been in my mom's house. Um, my mother's cooked dinner for Pac on more than one occasion. Pac has been on my block on two nights and, you know, and on Stretch's house and everywhere else in between. So it was a shock for me to lose Stretch. That one almost broke me. 
and then Toulouse Park, and then Toulouse Big. And I was sitting next to Big at the Peterson Automotive Museum when the lights came on and the fire marshal shut it down. So that was super difficult. And you got to, you know, you're dealing with this loss and this feeling of just helplessness, hopelessness, and, and being by yourself and trying to figure out why. When Ted Demi died, Ted Demi is the one that put me on your TV raps. And then Peter Doherty died. Peter Doherty was responsible as the executive producer of your TV raps. My man Glenn, the big spesh, another tight, tight, tight homeboy. He passed away. It's just feeling the funk all over me, all over again. And then, of course, my little brother Todd won from your own TV raps and MTV's Fade to Black. And then he passed away of a pulmonary embolism, the same thing that killed Heavy D. And then just Saturday that just passed, two good friends in one day. Che Rogers, heart stop. They put her into a medically induced coma last night. Her parents and loved ones decided it was time for her to go. She passed. And that same Saturday, I'm in Texas Cigar Week, and um, I'm hosting. There's this R&B show at the Arena Theater. It's Chrisette Michelle Tweet, Dave Hollister, Carl Thomas. And right between Dave Hollister and Carl Thomas, I'm sitting there. My manager, Dan, hands me the phone. It's my wife on the phone. She tells me my man Marcus died. Howard Marcus Buford from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, who was introduced to me by my good friend Drew because they were friends. And then Marcus and I became friends. And we weren't just friends because of Drew. We had our own relationship outside of Drew. And we just, we were friends. And we were just good friends. Like our families knew each other. Our wives are friends. Cool, dope friends. My wife work out with his wife. Is 48 years old. 48 years old. Che Rogers, one of my wife's lifetime friends. Was at my wedding. Is that everything that we did before she moved to LA? 52. How do we deal with this loss? How do, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know whether or not I'm dealing with it correctly right now. I'm grieving, I'm in a, in, in a grieving state. And I'm not even saying this because I want sympathy. I'm saying this because I know there's a lot of other people out there that go through this. And it seems like the older we get, the more we go through it. My mother told me when you hit your 40s, this is what's going to happen. And these people that are passing are younger than me. So it makes me think about my own mortality, right? Like we like to talk about Pac and we like to talk about Big. And people like to revisit the East Coast, West Coast beef. I saw a good friend of mine by the name of DJ Clark Kent just recently sat with Angie Martinez and said Biggie is dead because of Tupac's lie. That's a touchy-ass subject to get on. Touchy subject. 
And every time I talk about it, it seems like I get beat up. So I don't talk about it no more. I'm writing a book. It'll be in the book. Y'all can beat me up after the book. Because these are people that I knew. These are, these are things that I was there for. These are things that we had all had firsthand seats on how that whole thing started and where it went. And it was totally unnecessary. There were mistakes that were totally made on both sides of that coin. But I digress for a minute. Pac was my man. Big was my man. I felt caught in the middle of that. I remember talking to Pac after they was walking out of the hotel because I was at the Betty Boot Bar and they walked right past me. We stood there and we spoke to each other for a hot minute. It wasn't a long conversation, but it was a hot minute. You know, told each other what we were doing. He asked me if I was coming over to Shook's Club. I told him I might come over there because I had something to host with my man Chris Latimer the same night. Last time I talked to him. Thank God I told him I love you and he told me he loved me too. But I'm glad that we have that conversation because my friend that just passed Saturday, Marcus, every time we always said we love each other. And that's something that I can live with that. The fact that he knew that I loved him is something that I can live with. But all of these people passing, man, all of this, from, all the way back from MC Trouble, from, you know, Pimp C and... Craig Mack and Freaky Ty, Aaliyah, Left Eye, you know, it becomes Nipsey. It becomes so much that it's hard to even run down everybody. Because it is so many. It's so many. You start thinking about who you lost in your life. It's just so many damn people. Where do I find the strength and resolve to keep going? Bushwick Bill. Chris Kelly from Criss Cross. Jam Master J. Let's talk about Jam Master J for a minute, shall we? They just arrested and indicted the third person in the death of Jam Master J. So now they got Carl Jones Jr., a.k.a. Lil D. They got Ronald Washington, a.k.a. Tenard. And they got a cat by the name of Jay Bryant, which the authorities say, and I'm just saying this is all alleged, that his DNA was found on certain items that were at that studio. See, when Jay got killed, we knew it had to be somebody he knew because they got buzzed in. You couldn't get into Jay's studio without getting buzzed in. So now they have come up on the third person that's being indicted for the murder of uh, of the late, great Jam Master Jay of Run DMC. All of this way back to Scott LaRock, all the way back to then. It's just dealing with so much loss. So much lost in my life, man. We got to take a commercial break. We'll be back with more Come On Sunday podcast. With some of the best and most capable vehicles in the world, did y'all know that Ford Strong means more than just physical? See, 
Right now, Ford is sharing some of those inspiring stories of those behind the wheel who are accomplishing their goals, pursuing their dreams, and creating the world they want to live in. Built Ford Proud highlights D. Bryant, a Ford driver who has shown strength in how she is breaking boundaries to create change in her field and for those all around her. D. Bryant is a professional stunt driver featured in over 100 films, movies, and shows. She began riding motorcycles at age 11. D. has done stunts and many commercials, but she always finds herself gravitating toward Ford vehicles as a personal ride when she's off the screen. In fact, most of her stunt driving training took place in the Ford Mustang. Dee is one of those few females and even fewer African-American female stunt drivers in the industry. She constantly battles against racism, sexism, unfair representation, and many productions try to get around hiring female drivers. As part of her fight for equality, she co-founded the Association of Women Drivers, a stunt driving school where she helps teach other women to stunt drive. She is just one of our many examples that show us that Ford drivers span all walks of life, each with an individual story that shows how they are built Ford proud. Learn more about D. Bryant's story at Ford.com slash built Ford proud. Breaking the mold, strengthening communities, creating change. Real stories brought to you by Ford, built Ford proud. We live and breathe real. Whether you're searching for the latest sneaker, that iconic handbag, a timeless watch, or your next piece of classic jewelry, eBay authenticators are there verifying every detail of your purchase. Yep, we're talking each inch, stitch, tick, facet, and clasp that makes the piece you're searching for worthy of your collection eBay's authenticators are experts in their craft, true connoisseurs, and as leaders in their fields, they're making sure your items always arrive as authentic as your style. So go ahead, get that piece you've always wanted, and leave it up to the meticulous eyes of an eBay authenticator to make sure that watch moving is original, that glimmer is real gold, that rare sneaker is legit, or that handbag is really made of genuine leather, and never get faked over again. In a world full of fakes, it's time to get real with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms. Come on, son, son. Welcome back. Yarm, it's me, Ed Lover. Come on, son, the podcast. Um, I'm using this podcast to talk about love and loss because... I just recently lost two close friends and I really don't know how to handle it. I think this is about the time of my life, y'all, that honestly, I can use some therapy. I, I, I can use some therapy. But they say when you lose something, you gain something, right? You gain some knowledge, you gain some strength and some resolve and it helps you to get your stuff together. One thing that I see when my man Marcus passing away is Marcus had a will and he had everything set up for his wife beautifully. It was set the way it's supposed to be set for his wife beautifully. I don't have a living will. I gotta get my will together. I gotta make sure that my life insurance is solid and that it's gonna take care of my family because you just don't know. It's, it's the honest to God's truth, y'all. We, you don't know. Well, Nod said life's a bitch and then you die. That's why we get high, because you never know when you're going to go. It's that line. You never know when you're going to go. When God calls you home, you go home. That's what it is. You just, you don't, 
You don't know. Nobody knew. Pac didn't know. He was young. Big was young. Aaliyah was young. Left Eye was young. Nipsey was young. Young Dolph was young. Takeoff. Ha. Oh. Oh. I didn't even know Takeoff like that. I met Takeoff one time. Very respectful and very nice guy. Young man. His family got to deal with that loss. We see it more and more every day. More and more loss every day. If not at our hands, at our medical hands, at the hands of the powers that be, it's always something going down. Always something going down. The whole Jam Master J situation, they just... That was 2002. That was 2002. Just arrested the last person. There's no statute of limitations on murder. So if you do it and they catch you, you're going to prison. You're going to stand trial. No statute of limitations on murder. Now, I was talking about Pac earlier. And speaking of Pac, he is now posthumously going to get his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Pac is, is so iconic, so controversial, such an impactful person on the culture that I thought it should have happened a long time ago. And I love to see my people get their star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I love to see it. Ludacris just got his. Congratulations to Ludacris. Martin Lawrence got one. I was I saw Spinderella, big up to Spinderella in Houston. They got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's about time. It's about time that Pac get his. Can you just imagine what kind of actor that he would have been had he lived? I often I think about that all the time. What would hip-hop been like if Big and Pac would have lived? I, this is the kind of things I think of all the time. But I am so happy that posthumously Pac is getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. We should be able to walk down Hollywood Boulevard and see the name Tupac. And I think his sister's going to accept for him. I know his half-brother Mo Prem is still around, so they'll accept on, on his behalf. And I think I think it's it's a... It's a really dope-ass thing to see our legends become worldwide legends, right? You see young people run around all the time with the Tupac T-shirts on and stuff, you know. Somebody's always quoting something Pac said. They even quote stuff Pac ain't never said, you know what I mean? So that man absolutely made a difference, so it's good to see him get his star. And I, I really believe that he would have been on the forefront of the Black Lives Matter movement. And they got problems right now. Did y'all see this? The Black Lives Matter movement has problems. They say, and this is allegedly, again, that out of the 80 some odd million dollars collected, they only gave out $3 million to charities and stuff. So where's the other money? There was houses that were bought. There's lawsuits that are going on. You mean to tell me that 
the BLM movement, the heads of the BLM, BLM movement were in it for their own financial gain? Something don't sound right. And we just keep, did y'all see the, the, the Korean dude that just got um, arrested and charged with murder for shooting a boy to death that he thought was trying to steal some candy and turns out the kid wasn't doing it? What's really good? What's really good? So the investigation continues. And my point about this thing with that is y'all should have known that they was going to come for you. Like you cannot be that dumb. You have to take out whatever you need to keep the company going because this is what the Red Cross and everybody else does. When they're a charitable organization, when you're at the head of that charity, you're allowed to give yourself a salary. You're allowed to give your people a salary, the people that work for you, the staffing and everybody else. But you have to show where that money went. And if this is true, then you are all ought to be ashamed of your damn self. This is, you should have known that white America was going to come after you. You have to have that kind of foresight to say, we're calling ourselves the Black Lives Matter movement. They're going to come for us. They came for Dr. King. They came for Malcolm X. They came for Marcus Garvey. They came for Haile Selassie. They came for Farrakhan. They can't get Farrakhan. They came for Bill Cosby because he was too powerful. We know Bill Cosby would have been way past everything he did in his past had he not tried to buy NBC and had the money to do it. We know that. They're going to say, no, we're wrong, but we know it's the truth. So the Black Lives Matter movement should have been smarter to understand that they're going to come for you. They're going to definitely look into your finances, especially with over $80 million dedicated towards the Black Lives Matter movement. If 75% of that went out, nobody could say nothing about it. But only 3 million out of 80, allegedly, that don't sound right to me. Does that sound right to y'all? Don't sound, it just, it don't, don't sound right to me at all. At all. At all. So you got to understand what your position is and your place is in every endeavor and everything you do. Right now, you got Diddy suing Diageo. Now, Diageo is the parent company for a lot of brands, Crown Royal, a whole lot, including Ciroc. Diddy was the face and the marketing genius behind the popularity of Ciroc, but the parent company is Diageo. I know a lot of y'all thought Diddy owned Ciroc. No. Diddy was the face, the machine, and the marketing behind Ciroc. Then De Leon. They got together because of the success of Ciroc and De Leon Tequila was born. They were supposed to market it and help Diddy with it. Diddy said they've done nothing. He said that they concentrate on Casamigos and Don Julio. That's where their concentration is. And he's saying it's because he's a black man.
He's saying it's a racist thing. Now, I know that your man, George Clooney and his partners, used to own Casamigos and they sold it to Diageo for a gang of money. A gang of money. And I know Diageo owns Don Julio too. I know that. I'm not involved in the business practices of what they're doing over there. So I can't really say or nor am I in a position to say whether this is an act of racism or is it just an act of I'm concentrating on what's selling right now. Did he put his full force behind DeLeon Tequila or DeLeon, however you want to say it. I haven't really seen people going crazy about it, but I see that Casamigos moving. I see that Don Julio moving. It used to be all about Patron. Patron really kind of fell off. It really kind of fell off. You see more people now drinking Don Julio and Casamigos when you're out than you see drinking anything else. And if you go there and they don't have Casamigos and they got Don Julio, you'll take Don Julio. You hardly see people drinking Patron anymore. At least I don't. I don't know about you. I'm just saying generally in my travels, this is what I see. I don't see people drinking De Leon. I don't see it at all. But then again, I, I, I get where Diddy's coming from. He's not being given the resources from the parent company, which is Diageo, to press it the way he was given that green light to press, 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 press Syrah. And you have to also think about all the other brands that have come out since Ciroc and the way people are marketing it the way you marketed Ciroc to the people. You know, so that's Diddy's fight. I, I can't say. I'm not in the boardroom. I don't work for Diageo and I don't work for Diddy, but I'm telling y'all this is what Diddy is saying is going on right now with uh, his tequila. So where does that leave him as far as his um, relationship with them with Ciroc? Will he continue on with Ciroc or not? And speaking on, on, on continuing on, Shannon Sharp is parting ways with Fox Sports. I just read that the other day. They're saying um, that Shannon and uh, will not be on Undisputed anymore after uh, the NBA Finals. And the NBA Finals start tonight as I'm doing this podcast. So they're saying Shannon ain't going to be there no more. And somebody just um, broke into Shannon's house last week in L.A. and stole millions of dollars worth of stuff. And they taking his Club Shay Shay podcast off of their network too. So I, I'm just waiting around to see what more details is going to come out behind this and why Shannon ain't going to be there anymore. I really, really enjoyed Shannon and Skip Bayless. I enjoy Shannon and Skip Bayless way more than I enjoy what's going on with uh, First Take. I think since they got rid of your boy, since Max Kellerman, I'm not feeling it as much. I like that dynamic, Max and Stephen A. I really like that dynamic. It ended for whatever reason why it ended. 
But then I was like, well, Stephen A and Skip was the original dopeness, right? Then Skip got the bag, went to Fox Sports, and Fox paired him up with Shannon. And we all love Shannon. Skill, black and mild, Skill, love Shannon Sharp on there. Uncle Shannon, everything. So I'm, I don't know if it's a contract thing that, well, my hat is all in the way. Contract thing that did not happen between them. Is it? Is it the contract thing? It was, you know, Club Shay Shay is becoming more and more popular. They have great guests on that. Why is it not going to be on the sports, uh, Fox Sports Network anymore? And who's going to replace them? Will the show continue? Is Skip saying, I'm good. I'm going home to Geraldine and chill. Or is, you know, undisputed. And, and if he's not going to do undisputed, he's not going to be on Fox Sports. Maybe he got a bigger bag to go somewhere else. So I, but I like Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless together. I like Shannon Sharp. And I, and I wish... Shannon Sharp, all the luck. Or maybe he's retiring. Speaking of that, did y'all hear about Bron Bron sending out cryptic tweets? I'm supposed to be number one on everybody's list. Let's see what happens when I no longer exist. Jay-Z said that on one of his songs. I think it was on a black album. Jay said that, which was supposed to be his, whatever album was supposed to be his last album before he came out. On the record encore, he said that. Bron tweeted it out. Listen, man, Bron Bron, whoever don't have respect for you as a NBA player has got to be absolutely out of their mind. You can't argue with people about where you land at as far as who's the best basketball player of all time. Even if you, if Jordan is one and you won A, What's wrong with that? Some people would say it's you. Some people would say it's Jordan. But then again, I saw some sports commentators that said they really can't even say you, period, because you played in an era where other people were considered the best basketball player at the same time you were playing. And they were saying when Jordan was playing, he was flat out considered the best basketball player, period. And when you was playing, there were other people. Like, Kobe ain't alive, so we forget about Kobe. At one time, it was Tim Duncan. At one time, it was Steph Curry. At one time, it was Giannis. At one point, and right now, it's Jokic. But they're saying when Mike was on that court, it wasn't Bird, wasn't Magic, wasn't Kareem, wasn't nobody else but him. They're saying that. My opinion, I say this, with all respect to everybody who's ever played professional basketball, we forget about some of the dudes that played before. But this is just Ed Lover's opinion. No one else's but Ed's. Michael Jordan is the greatest NBA, National Basketball Association, competitor and player I have ever seen in my life, and I lived through the Jordan era. I still wear Jordans. The best all-around basketball player that actually still played in the NBA, in my opinion, Lou Alcinda, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
He didn't lose on any level. Check the man's resume. Until Bron Bron broke his record, he was the number one scorer in the history of the NBA. He don't have as many rings as Jordan, but he won in high school at Powell Memorial. He won at UCLA. They took dunking off. You couldn't even dunk because of Kareem. He went to Milwaukee, won a championship with the Bucks, changed his name from Lou Alcindor to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and caught hell for it, stood next to Ali, where Ali wouldn't go to war for this country, got traded to the L.A. Lakers and won there to multiple MVPs, multiple All-Star games, multiple uh, NBA Finals MVPs, and was a scoring champion for a long-ass time. And he got more rings than Braun. What do you play for? You play for championships. But those back-to-back three-peats of Jordans put him over the top. The dunk contest put Jordan over the top. The impact on not only the sport, but the world put Jordan on the map. NBA, I give it to Jordan. Overall, to me, it's Kareem. You can look up Kareem's numbers, man, if you, just, if you, if you don't believe me. Just look, just look up the numbers. And I love basketball. I love it. Now, my prediction right now, as we speak, for the NBA Finals, is that it's going to be tough for Miami to win one game. Jokic is not a fucking joke. He's a Larry Bird-esque, fundamentally sound, like Tim Duncan type of player. Absolutely. My prediction, the Heat will get one. Lakers didn't get one, but the Heat might get one behind Jimmy Buckets. That's just my prediction, y'all. And I love basketball. I love it. And I love everybody that I've ever come into contact with that are no longer with us today, whether in the music industry or with just outside personal friends. You live with the loss, but sometimes, y'all, it's so hard. And it really is hard to say goodbye to yesterday. It is. I'm dealing with it. I'm definitely going to get myself some therapy to deal with this last double blow. But, jeez, it's tough. Y'all have a great week. This is Come On, Son, the podcast. And I'll talk to y'all next time, all right? My name is Ed Lover. Come on, Son. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. Peace. Come on, son, son. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover.